This is a summary of the first Sikha Parshas Vayishlach, the Baal Shem Tov went up to heaven on Rosh Hashanah, 1746, Tafko of Zion, where he asked Mashiach, when are you going to come? And Mashiach told him, when your wellsprings will spread to all the corners of the earth outwardly. Now, by the Jewish people, there is a direct correlation and connection between the Torah, your wellsprings literally means the wellsprings of your teachings of the Torah. But there is a direct connection between the Torah and the soul of the Jewish people. The Jewish people are connected the way they are revealed, the way their connection to God is revealed is through the Torah. Torah is really an x-ray of a Jewish neshama telling a Jewish neshama exactly what it wants to do. Every mitzvah that we do is really an x-ray of our neshama. The Torah is very much connected with the Neshama. In fact, the Gemara tells us that a man was created to toil within Torah. That means the whole, if you study the DNA of the Neshama, it's connected to the DNA of Torah. So when we speak about the revolution of Hasidus, that the wellsprings, the deepest secrets, should spread out to the furthermost corners, that also means practically that the part of our Neshama, which was hidden, which is the soul element of our, just like Hasidus is the soul of Torah, the soul of, of our being, our innermost being, should be somehow expressed and revealed in the most external ways possible. That is what that means. And the, the Rebbe explains that, uh, the Rebbe ends up going that there could be three levels in terms of the relationship of the Nishama versus, uh, or in connection to the Guf, in connection to, to uh, physical matters that we deal with, our bodily needs and all the physical things that we deal with. One of them is that the relationship could be essentially as a ruler, as a dictator, as a monarch, whatever you want to say, is willingly, not, not willingly, but essentially you're ruling over it. It's an external force. You're coming from the outside and you're here telling the physical world what to do. You're here and, and spirituality is a very powerful force and it has the force and the power to crush physicality. It's actually a more potent force. Um, transcendence of, of, of the spiritual, and you come with it and you obliterate or you rule over the physical. Um, the uh, That's one hand that, you know, there could be such a thing. And even if you're serving God, the way you can understand a servant, let's say a servant or a slave, is that the slave agrees to serve the master. Right? Or he even agrees to, to take all of his possessions and treat it like as if it's the master's. Or he may even agree to give his possessions to the master. But essentially, it's there's two separate entities that that you're, that's being ruled over. There's the physical and the spiritual. But then the Rebbe says, no, by a year, that's not how it's supposed to be. It's not how it's supposed to be. A real... Slavery in Judaism is Masha Kona Eved Kona Rabbi. Literally, you don't have to give anything to your master. Your master owns you, and therefore, automatically, anything you own belongs to your master. A woman's relationship is bound up with her husband such that their possessions are considered one. There's no separate. There's no separation between the possessions of the wife and the separations of the and the and the and the, and the uh, possessions of the husband, unless, of course, they make a special contract. That's a whole different halachic question. But on this, uh, but just from by dint of the marriage alone, whatever the, the, the woman owns, automatically it means the husband owns it. 
In other words, just like literally with an ashama and a guf, the animation of the soul to the body is not in such a way that the, the neshama controls the body. The body is a corpse and it's being moved by the neshama, like some kind of outside force. No, you don't have to command your body to do anything. The moment the soul wants to do something, automatically the body does it. There is no, there's no separation, no distinction. So too, the true neshama of the year, the vajuh, is the godly soul. And that means that all of the desires of the godly soul its whole identity of putting on tefillin and sitzes and giving tzedakah and all of the things, the whole code of Jewish law, it comes natural. And the body should react accordingly, that there's no separation, that, that, that there's, no, uh, there's no reaction, there's no um, rebellion. And uh, on the contrary, it's seamless that, that the soul wants it and, and, the, and the body understands that this, is, that this is what takes place, not even understands, automatically because the two are connected in a way that they've become absolutely one. You become a place where the divine feels at home. Now, these aren't just two theoretical nice ideas. Um, these actually express themselves in two ways that the Jewish people, two avedas, two divine, two ways the Jews deal with their physical reality. And, mo- and, and let's be honest, most of our lives we're dealing with physical realities. Most of a person's adult life is spent pursuing a career, um, etc. So the there are two ways that a Jew deals with, and many people confuse the two, but the Rebbe has many, many talks where he makes this, this distinction. There's the difference of and one of them means that all of your actions should be for the sake of heaven. So in other words, you eat food, that I should have the strength, that I should be able to daven later, you know, or learn. Um... That's one thing. Everything I do is for the sake of heaven. I'm doing this because for the sake of Shemaya. Second Avayda is Bechol Drachach What it says in the Pasuk, which means know God in all your ways, which means that it's not that I'm doing this because later I'm going to do something holy, spiritual, divine. Taylor. No. This is know him in all your ways. This, find that the eating itself, whatever you're doing now, itself should be a mitzvah. There's a way that, that a Jew could be so connected to God that he's doing a mitzvah. He's doing a mitzvah. There's actually, uh, there's a mechilta which says that it says in the Torah that six days a week you should work and the seventh day you should rest. So it says over there that just like there's a mitzvah to rest on the seventh day, the mechilta says the mitzvah to work on the six days. A Jew doesn't work because uh, he, uh, if a Jew really is connected with Hashem, that he only works because it's a mitzvah to work. He, he, there's nothing in the work. He's not even working for the sake of being able to do a mitzvah later. He's doing it because Hashem wants me to work right now. Anything he does is because it's a mitzvah. Now, the most obvious examples of eating being a mitzvah, for example, is when you eat on Shabbos. Then eating itself is a mitzvah. But that's just an example which, which brings us to the idea what it means that to know God, you're doing something physical, but that in itself is knowing Hashem. These two approaches to, to, to the physical are the two approaches that we just mentioned. When it's your spiritual reality controlling your physical one, then it means your physical one has an entity onto its own, which is being controlled, which means that it exists, but you're doing it with shame Shemaim. You're using it for the right reasons. On the other hand, when your soul is so revealed that there, it's not a distinct entity, we know that the body is seamless. It's one with the neshama. It doesn't feel like it's an independent 
thing. And that means that when you deal with the physical in such a way, the physical itself becomes a mitzvah. However, the Rebbe explains that there's a third level, even a higher level, which is like this. Let's go now. Let's just go with the paradigm of a soul and a body. Okay. So we said a soul and a body is seamless. You know, you don't command your body to do something. The body automatically reacts to the wills of the nisham. However, let's think about our own bodies. Do you feel your body or don't you feel your body? And this is an unbelievable idea that Abba says here. The feeling of your body alone is a problem. A healthy person wakes up in the morning and goes to sleep at night, etc., goes throughout their day, does not feel their body. The less you feel your body, the healthier you are. Feeling your body is a very unhealthy thing. Now, first of all, there are people who feel pains. Oh, you wake up, this hurts, that hurts. The pain, or you go to sleep, you're feeling pain. Pain, of course, is a terrible thing. But let's go further. Not even pain. Just feeling your body, period. You know, a little child, you run around, you don't feel yourself. Just feeling yourself is a problem. It means there's a lack of, of, of your, your, your body should be completely nullified to your soul, completely and utterly, you know, obliterated, so to speak, in comparison to the soul. The only thing there, you feel light as a, th- a feather. The only the true reality should be the neshama. Which, of course, this gives so much explanation to the ideal that Chassidus is constantly preaching about bittel, nullification, be nullified and so on. People think, oh, it's so negative, it's so on the contrary. It's healthy. To be a healthy human being, you shouldn't feel yourself. Ego means that you feel you feel yourself. Feeling yourself is the most unhealthy thing in the world. Ego is the most unhealthy thing in the world. By definition, you're not a healthy person. So we hear as well, Rebbe says, here we have a third level, that within the ideal, there could be that you still feel the gashbis. Like, for example, when you eat the food on Shabbos, so the food is delicious, and that's the mitzvah, that the deliciousness of the food is a mitzvah. So it's taka mitzvah, but you're feeling the, 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 that it's delicious. That is the mitzvah. But then where's, then where's, there's a level where you don't feel the gashmis at all. Everything just became spiritual, and you literally don't feel the gashmis. Now, the Rebbe says there's a very high level. The Alter Rebbe, the Rebbe says a beautiful story of the Alter Rebbe who didn't even taste the, the food. And he said from when he went to the Magid, he never tasted the food in his life. He, he lost the sense of taste. So that's obviously the ultimate level, that just the only thing there is in Kedusha. And the Rebbe says by us, sometimes we can have that as well, you know, in a moment of great excitement and so on. We don't even taste the food because we're really experiencing, we're living on a higher plane of reality, um, which is which is infusing itself in, in our most physical reality. But in any event, this is the Rebbe says that this is really the Chiddush of what it means, Yafutza Vaynasecha Chutza. Oh, Chutza represents the external, outside. Now, if there's any place which is still outside, it means you haven't really reached outside because you've only reached inside in comparison to what's outside. So it means you have to reach the furthest corners, the furthest reaches. And what that means on a more personal level is that the fountain is the fountain of our soul. And our Neshama has to... You can't just, it can't be giving water to your body, to your physicality. You have to bring the Mayan itself, the fountain itself, the spring, the spring itself has to be in the chutzah, which is what we've been talking about. You can't control it externally. You have to be there. But then the Rebbe says, that's point number one. So that's, that, that's the idea that it should be, it should be seamless. It should be the soul with the body. Your physical reality shouldn't be separate from your spiritual reality. And then the Rebbe said it should be yafutsu, in a way of yafutsu, that there's no element of the body 
There's nothing which exists outside of the neshama. So in other words, which is the second level that we're speaking about, that you don't even feel the physical because it's so one with the, with the, uh, with the spirituality of the world. We didn't explain enough Veda what that means. The Rebbe just gave an example, which sounds like a level of a tzaddik, but again, there's a way we could apply it to our own lives. The Rebbe says that instead of eating the food, the Rebbe says you eat for the energy. The Rebbe says you, you only eat the food because you want to, I'm sorry, you only eat the food in order to make a bracha. <laughs> That's the whole reason you, you eat the food. So that obviously we have to find an expression of that in our own lives, but that was an example that the Rebbe gave um, for this level. How is this all? relevant to this parsha by Yishlach. So the Magad of Mizrich, the Shabbos before he passed away, right before Yutus Kislev, so it's connected to Yutus Kislev, which is all about Yifutzah he said that Yaakov, it says Yaakov sent angels to Esav to deal with Esav, deal with the physical. And it says, Rashi says, Malachim Mamish, literally angels. So the, the Magad of Mizrich said, it means the literalness, the physicality of the angels. And the question is, what does that mean? The physicality, is there a way to separate the physical? He sent the, the physicality of the angels without sending the spirituality of the angels. What does it even mean? So that basically said, what it means is, is that the way that he was going to change Esav was by retaining all of the spirituality of the angel. And the angel, even when he's coming to deal with, with, with Esav, all of his spirituality is still with Yaakov. He never lowers himself down. You never send the, sh- you never, it's like the water from the fountain. You never send something else. The fountain itself comes there. So even though it sounds like he's saying he sent very external things to Esau, it's actually the opposite of what the Magad is saying. The Magad is saying that it was as if the only the body of the angel was sent to Esau because the, even though everything was there, the soul, the body, of everything of the angel was there, but the in totality of the Malach was still with Yaakov. It's imagination, it's love, it's connection, it's passion, everything. It retained all of the spirituality, and that was by Yaakov. How did it retain it? By, 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 by thinking that I'm only here to do a shlichus. I'm only here because Hashem has a mission for me. So in other words, applying it back to ourselves, how do we retain all of that soulfulness and we never get lost in the physical because I'm just, the only reason why I'm dealing with the physical, my approach to physical is only, I treat the physical as a mitzvah just, just, just as much as I treat a regular mitzvah. That's the bottom line. And that will conclude the summary for this sikha.